Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, Buffer Ghosts. Buffer Ghosts. We were uh, we were off last week. We were. What did you do without us, guys? Maybe, did you listen to some of our old episodes? A few of you did, actually. Thanks for that. A few of you did listen to some oldies. Good on you. You get some gold stars. Move closer to the microphone, Christina. I tried, but there's something in my way, and I got lazy about it afterwards. Just move your, just move your chair. <sighs> Oh, I tried. Is. Sorry, the tambourine's in my way. Is what you wanted to say? <laughs> because the recording... it wasn't just the tambourine. I don't want to. The, re- the recording too is just like, <laughs> gosh darn. It needs help, and that's why we need monies from the Patreon. <laughs> Speaking of Patreon, we have a new patron. Her name is Anne Marie Mace. Oh, Anne Marie She's Mace. my mom. But mom Mace. I think it's important to acknowledge all our patrons yes. as often. As we do, and uh, Anne Marie Mace has joined the the patron pool. Um, so if you'd like to be like Anne Marie and and so many of our friends now, our, our little budding little community, little community. Um, all you gotta do is head on over to patreon.com slash NY Mystery Machine. When you're there, you can sign up for for a different level. Um, if you sign up for three dollars a month, you're you know you're in and helping us out. If you sign up for five dollars a month, you're gonna get some cool uh, some bonus stuff. Yeah. And here's here's something that happened. We had a March bonus, and it got pushed and postponed. Yeah. So our patrons who may be wondering where our March bonus. Yeah. What the hell. Worry not, you're gonna get two April ones, so that's a little because, and you're gonna eventually get the one from March. It's just not gonna happen until the summer. Yeah, um, it's but, gonna be uh, good though. But it's gonna be a good one. So, uh, those so for our patrons who I know you're listening to right now, you, you may be like, "Hey, I give this money to these people, <laughs> and I get nothing and in I return. Nothing return. <laughs> I can't get no respect." But they already have, if you're a patron, you know you have two really cool episodes already. You have one all about the Belasco Theater. Uh, and that hunting, and then you have one about that strange ass hunting in Brooklyn. Oh, God. So, um, you know, they're really cool episodes. And I, again, I said to you guys last month, I'll say it now. We, I was just really proud of that Brooklyn haunting episode, and um, I'd like everyone to be able it's to listen crazy. to it. So, uh, head on over to patreon.com/slash my mystery machine. Sign up today. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, yeah, uh, but we're back today with a with yes, an all are. new episode. All new episode, and this is this is a doozy. I wasn't going to do this episode. I had two halves of episodes that um, I didn't end up finishing um, because I found this one instead, and so I spent the rest of my time just doing this one instead because I, it was just kind of weird and fascinating. Well, I'm excited then, and um, yeah, so. You know, Christina, you and yes. I are, are, we're both lifelong New Yorkers. Yes, we are. And um, something that binds all lifelong New Yorkers, mm-hmm. born before September 12th, 2001, oh. is that we were all in New York for September 11th, 2001. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm i sure you know, even if you're a, a young listener to the show and you weren't born uh, prior to, to 9-11, September 11th, terrorist attacks, um, something that made an, a, a mark on on all of our lives even today um the 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 actions of 9/11 have had uh consequences that have have rippled uh even to 2022 yeah, yeah. um just in the way that we live the way we be secure things certainly the TSA I mean everything we see we see 911s fall out um everywhere we go especially here in New York City you know mm-hmm. when you're in New York you really there is a, a tale of two of two worlds of a New York pre 911 and a New York post 911 and um today i'm bringing you a little bit of an odd story because it's a missing persons case from 911 now i know what you're thinking 
9-11 had a lot of missing persons right. cases. This is an odd one because it may not have to do anything with the actual Twin Towers falling uh, oh. falling to the ground and after the planes crashed into them. Oh, okay. Um, but it may. But it okay. may not. I know. It does a lot. Bear with me. <laughs> um, this is really doozy. So this is a story um, about a missing person named Sneha and Philip. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, she went missing that fateful day. And um, there's been a lot of, uh, of of talk. Her name popped up a lot over the years. And I'm going to take us through through the case. Um, Sneha was born on October 7th, 1969, uh, and pronounced legally dead on September 11th, 2001. Mm. She was an Indian-American physician who was last seen September 10th, 2001. In the last 20 years, she has been included removed and re-added to the official 9-11 victims list. Good Lord. Accounts of her actions have been given and retracted, and even her official date of death has been changed multiple times. Wow. Um, Yeah. Now, what may be the oddest part of this story is that the descriptions of her life and her character are quite um, different, like starkly different. And the, the, the people who are giving these um, descriptions of this person's life are her family, mm-hmm. who knew her very well, her husband, brother, fam- you know, mom, dad, and um, the NYPD who investigated this. Oh, so like a double life situation are we talking about Yeah, here? we're going to oh, get it. And we're going to get all into that. So her family speaks uh, uh, of her one way, and a lot of these reports from the NYPD investigation speaks of her another way. And it really, when you look at them, it doesn't sound like they're the same person. Yeah. Like they sound like very different humans. Uh, this case has gone through investigations galore, and the result is always the same. Mystery. Who was Sneha? And not just her description, but who was she really? Um, I always lend my faith to the family. Yeah. Um, who knows her better. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get through it all today. Now, some of the concrete information that we know about her was the following. She was born in the Indian state of Kerala. Hmm. Uh, she would later move with her parents from Kerala to the States, settling first in Albany and then in Hopewell Junction in Dutchess County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe her parents are still in Dutchess County. Uh, after graduating from John Hopkins University, Philip decided to pursue a career in medicine and enrolled in the Chicago School of Medicine in 1995. It was there that she met Ron Lieberman and that she began dating. She was a year ahead of him and decided to take a year off and go traveling around Italy just so hmm. they can graduate together. Oh, wow. That's sweet. That's also, sweet. traveling around Italy for a year sounds pretty good. So, yeah. win-win. Mean, like, yeah, it's a good situation for all. After graduation, they moved in with each other uh, and they moved to the East Village in New York City where they both had gained internships in New Convenient. York. Convenient. Uh, Lieberman was at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx. While Philip did her internship at Cabrini Medical Center, mm. the couple would marry in 2000, May 2000, and move to a larger apartment at 225 Rector Place in Battery Park City. Oh, which you know, in talking with knowing where where, where the story goes a little bit, yeah, is literally just a few blocks away from um from, yeah. from the World Trade Center, and even I mean the World Trade Center as it is now, and right. certainly the World Trade Center as it was in 2001. Now, in all missing persons cases, where do we begin, Christina? Uh, last known. Last known. Known sighting whereabouts. So we go from, from yeah, so we go to where she was last seen alive and well. 
Right. Which I imagine is at home with Lieberman. Sure. I'm assuming. So we have a bit of information on her whereabouts on September 10th, 2001. From what we gather, it was her day off. And for a busy professional in the medical world, these are highly important days. Life in a hospital <laughs> is certainly not as glamorous as TV makes it appear. So at approximately 11 o'clock in the morning, September 10th, 2001, Ron kissed Sneha goodbye and left their apartment heading to Jacoby Medical Center. He had a long shift ahead of him as an emergency room intern. According to Lieberman, she was planning to spend the day cleaning the, up the apartment in anticipation of a dinner visit mm-hmm. by her cousin Anu. Uh, two nights later. And then Sneha sent her mom uh, an instant message because it's 2001 and we, we we IM people on the internet. Yes, we do. When I was reading, I was like, the instant message? Oh, 2001. Right. It's an instant message. This could be a couple of 2000-isms in here, which is really fascinating. I mean, I do kind of miss several things about AIM. One of them being... Um, the away message. Exactly. Christina is away. Christina is pondering the world. <laughs> Mine were really, like, really dramatic because I was a very dramatic child, teenager. I'm trying to think. I think a lot of mine were just bizarre, as you might imagine. I think there was because a lot really of, bizarre I'm really teenager. bizarre, a lot of X-File quotes in there. That's makes all the just sense. Just like me running off with Mulder and Scully, you know. That makes here. sense. So she sends her mom an IM around 2 p.m. and ends up having a two-hour conversation covering an array of topics, including... Uh, her and Ron's fun time at a bar the previous Saturday uh, when Ron had played the guitar and jammed with his coworkers because Ron was also a musician, mm. as well as the details of her upcoming plans for the week. Mm. So finally around 4 p.m., Sneha says goodbye to her mom and runs some errands, the first errand being uh, she would go drop her dry cleaning off and then head to a favorite uh, place to shop, and that is Century 21. <laughs> Uh, and this Century 21 is located just a few blocks away from um, from their apartment, just past the World Trade Are Center. they out of business now? Century 21? I don't know. You don't see them very often. You don't see them. That's for sure. You, you didn't really see them in New York p- to begin with, though. There were only a couple, I think. I guess, maybe. There was one in Union Square for a while. There was. And clearly there was one by the World Trade Center. Right. <clears throat> Shortly after 6 p.m., Sneha used a credit card to pay for lingerie, a dress, pantyhose, and linens. So says the card statement. Uh, Then she moved on to the shoe annex and bought three pairs of shoes. Later in the investigation, a cashier at the department store thought she saw Sneha shopping with a young Indian woman. But this woman, this person, never came forward and did not appear in any of the surveillance footage. Oh, okay. Uh, after she stepped out of Century 21 department store, Sneha vanished. This is the last time hmm. anyone saw her. The last record of her is her on this um, surveillance footage. I can even show you the surveillance footage. I'll put Ooh. this up. In the, I'm going to put this up onto the Instagram. Um, and, and there she is. The last uh, sighting of her. And no one's around her in that, right? No one's around her in this. Um, it's huh. just her. Okay. Now, we'll get to a lot of the theories of what happened to her in a little bit. So now let's just shift to Ron's perspective, because mm-hmm. this is going to become pretty valuable in in all of this. Um, he's going to play a pivotal role in trying to determine his wife's fate um, and her whereabouts, really. So Ron stated that when he got home from work uh, just before midnight on September 10th, Sneha was nowhere to be found, meaning that same day that she went shopping, talked to her yeah. mom, all that jazz, she wasn't found. 
There's also no trace of bags from Century 21, which was the last spot that anyone saw her alive. Sneha did not arrive home at all that night. Mm-hmm. A later investigation found that someone had called Ron's cell phone from the apartment at 4 a.m. Uh, Ron doesn't remember it, but he thinks he may have awoken briefly to check his voicemail. Now I know what you're thinking. 2001 now. <laughs> there was a moment in time where you had to call your cell phone to retrieve your voice messages. But I, I did we have to do it from the house phone? You couldn't call yourself on your phone? I, I don't. I, I don't, remember calling myself on my phone. Yeah, I don't know. But perhaps you could have. I mean, in the end, you could have called your cell phone mm-hmm. from a house line to like you called your 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 voice box number. Yeah. Because um, I remember I in in I had a phone in 2001, but I remember I had a pager in like 99 or 2000. Yeah. And I remember I had voicemail on my pager and I had obviously you can't right. listen to it. So you called a service number. Right. Which is the same thing. So I don't know. Uh, this is the reason he, he gives. Obviously, okay. it sounds a little shaky and flimsy. Hold on to that because it could okay. be shaky and flimsy. You gotta find me a, <clears throat> a quick pencil. Make <laughs> quick. a little note over here. Um. In any case, Ron said that he was a bit peeved that um, his wife didn't come home, mm-hmm. but he wasn't terribly worried about it because this isn't an unnatural thing. There was often times where his wife would stay out late, either with friends, and would crash someplace else. Hmm. Ron left for work and arrived at Jacoby Medical Center at around 8 a.m. for a meeting on September 11th. Shortly after the meeting, at approximately 9 a.m., Ron wandered over to join some coworkers who were gathered around a TV set. And then he saw it. Mm. The visual that has been burgeoned into so many of our minds um, really kind of like stuck there for the last 20 plus years. A plane crashing into the North Tower of the World Trade Center located only a few blocks away from their apartment. Yeah. Ron repeatedly would call Sneha, but she never answered. He then would call her family upstate, and they had the same luck. No answer, didn't know where she was. Uh, he then would catch a ride on an ambulance to the apartment. It took over six hours to get there due to the massive exes of people fleeing lower Manhattan. Um, but he used his medical clearance to get through yeah. most of these hurdles. When he made it home, he discovered that the electricity was out in the building and could not bypass the automatic, automatic locks. Mm-hmm. He began shouting his wife's name until someone in the building popped out of the window. He asked them to go and knock on his apartment door, and there was no answer. Ron would then spend the evening at a friend's house. Now, this boggles my friggin' mind. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't get into the apartment until the next day. And my thought is, can the person who checked on your door... Let you in. Let you in the building. Right. Like, why would you hey, go I away? I live here. Like, why would you go away from the building? Yeah. I have no idea. I could not find a single piece that like explains anything more of it. Yeah. At first I thought I misread and it said that he couldn't get to the apartment because he didn't have the proper clearance, but then I reread I'm like, no, he has the clearance. Right. And he gets and someone and people are clearly in the apartment still. They didn't evacuate all the Wait, they're just shouting at each other about whether or not someone's yeah. And that kinda also like baffled me too. And I guess I don't know or remember if like Lower Manhattan itself would just straight up evacuated, like if you were living a few blocks from, from the towers, did you need to leave your apartment? Because then the story doesn't make sense because no one had been home. My grandmother worked very close to it at the time. 
Um, and did she was she able to stay there, or did she have to leave? If I recall correctly, they were evacuated from the building. So this is while, they, while the smoke was still like there. still in the streets and that kind of I thing. She breathed rem- in shit. Yeah, I vaguely remember people not being able to even get into their apartments until until weeks later. Right. But this testimony says that he indeed gets into apartment the next day. Someone was in the apartment. Someone was in the building enough to check on his his door, mm-hmm. um, but didn't let him in. And here's the thing. If I'm at the building, I'm like getting into that building. Yeah. Especially if I don't know where my wife is. Like right. I'm getting into that building. Like knock, knock, knock. Great. Let me in. Yeah. Because I'm here already. If there's no one telling me I can't be there, I'm in there. If someone close to me, if someone I, I'm married to especially, mm-hmm. if anyone is in there, I'm going to go in there regardless of my own safety because I'm worried about that person. And That's clearly, really puzzling. Yeah. It is the biggest puzzling piece of this whole thing that so many of these reports never like hark back to. And I spent a good 15 minutes trying to figure this out for myself. And no one else kind of did. And I'm like, am I crazy in this that that I'm like puzzled that he didn't go up to the apartment himself when he was at the building? I have a lot of questions for him in general so far in this timeline, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's weird. I have a lot of questions about this. Sometimes she just crashed at a friend's and never called me about it. Yeah. Like that was just a normal thing. We're going to get to a lot of this. Okay. Yeah. So in any case, um, the next day, September 12th, Ron's finally able to get into the building. He gets to his apartment to discover the windows had been left open. Um, The place is covered in gray dust and Mm -hmm. soot, debris, trash, everything, every bit, every surface is covered. The only footprints visible are those made by their two little cats. Oh, poor kitties. Um, who I assume survived because there's no, doesn't say anything about the cats not living. So I like to believe that both cats survived. I'd like to believe that too. Uh, but there are no human footprints, just okay. the kitty footprints. Um, there were no Century 21 bags, nothing. Ron was sure that Sneha had never made it home from, from the night before. From two nights before, I suppose, right. and then reported his wife as missing. Okay. Now, the first thought that entered Ron's mind was perhaps his wife was killed in the awful attacks the day before. Mm-hmm. It made a bit of sense, right? They did live quite close, um, so perhaps something happened that she was in the vicinity of it all. He would ask for the security footage of everyone entering the lobby that morning. At 8.43 a.m., just three minutes before American Airlines Flight 11 was shown flying into the North Tower, a woman who resembled Sneha entered the lobby, waited for the elevator for a couple of minutes, and then abruptly left the building. The woman had a similar build and haircut to Sneha and was wearing a dress like the one she had on while shopping. Okay. So the theory he had was perhaps Sneha was arriving back home that morning, heard the loud noise coming from just a blocks away and ran to the scene to help. After all, she's an internal medicine intern, right? It's not right. crazy to think that she jumped at the chance to help people in need. Right. So the timing of that is just a couple minutes before this person enters the lobby, waits for an elevator. Something happens. There's something. And, and it time. aligns the time with this, the crap. Yeah. Okay. This time aligns with... At 8.43 in the morning, just three minutes before the airline flies into the North Tower, we see this person, and okay. all of a sudden, this person makes a beeline out of the building. Okay. Um, however, 
The authorities were unable to confirm if that was indeed Sneha in the footage. The sun had been streaming in the lobby that day, and everyone remembers just how gorgeous yeah. a day September 11th was. Like Almost the first comment I made on this episode, by the way, when you brought up the... Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Everyone always was like, man, it was like the most beautiful morning, and then that happened, right? And so because it was the most beautiful war- morning weather-wise, the sun was like blaring in through through so many spots. Um so because the sun was kind of like streaming in the lobby, it washed out the video, making it kind of impossible to see anything other than the woman's silhouette. Mm. Um, and another piece of um, another important piece of the footage was the fact that the woman in the video wasn't carrying any shopping bags. Okay. And if she never made it home, she seemed like she bought quite a few things. Right. She had nothing in her hands. Okay. Now, Ron tries to get the media involved and interested in his wife's disappearance. But since he's unable to prove that it's related to the terrorist attack, the media had little to no interest. Yeah. So then he called Sneha's brother, John, and asked him to reach out to reporters and tell them about the disappearance, but told him specifically to leave out key details. The biggest of those details was that she went missing on the 10th and not right. the 11th. Um, in his mind, making it a 9-11 piece would make it a little bit more attractive and they would actually work harder. Mm-hmm. Saying that she was missing the day before, it's not a 9-11 piece anymore. It's right. just someone missing and it's really ill timing because 9-11 happened the day after. Right. Um, but in a weird turn of events, John, her brother, does a fucking strange thing. Okay. He fabricates a story. That involves him talking to his sister on the phone while she tended to injured victims. What? He would tell the reporters, quote, I was on the phone with her and she told me she couldn't leave because people were hurt. She said, I have to help this person. And that's the last I heard from her. End quote. He eventually admitted that this was a lie to the authorities. But by then, she had already been being touted as a hero. Oh, God. And it was something that. Though it was something that could have been well true, in theory, she could have been doing these things. The actual story didn't happen. Mm-hmm. The evidence didn't exist. And uh, because it caught fire, um, her name was eventually added to the official list of 9-11 victims. Ooh. Now, our story doesn't end here. Because there would be uh, many investigations that not only seek to find the truth of what happened, but also bring up a lot of dirty laundry, some ugly half-truths, mm-hmm. and some plain old lies. Yep. Her character really goes through the mud during during all of this. And That's really often the case in a missing person, isn't it? Yeah, and really bringing up things that may be true, may not be true, may have something to do with the case, probably don't have anything to do with the case. Yeah. And before I even get into it, I just like, it is important for me to even say that I'm not endorsing any of the things that are, are, are I'm literally going to just, I'm just reporting on the things that these that the NYPD found in their investigations yeah. okay. um, because of a lot of it's, I don't really even believe. And, okay. um, and if it is true, it's certainly things that a should not have any bearing to do with a missing persons case. Okay. Um, but here we go. Let's get on. Into All right. It. So since police detectives initially seemed to be unhelpful to Ron and assumed that his wife had just died with the rest of the victims on nine 11, mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, didn't do much. We're looking for her, yeah. Yeah, so Ron decided to hire a private investigator named Ken Gallant. Gallant found two pieces of evidence suggesting that maybe she returned to the apartment building early September 11th. Those pieces were the lobby footage Mm -hmm. and the call to Ron's phone. But again, both are debunked. So in the end... Both are debunked? 
Yeah, I mean, like they could not debunk per se, but the they are not the conclusive. footage wasn't conclusive. Yeah, okay, and the phone situation still made little to no sense. Right, um, and those are the two biggest pieces of of evidence that Gallant can really find. So then he considers the possibility that Philip had used the attack to flee and start a new life under new identity. Mm-hmm. However, her computer hard drive reveals no evidence of this. There's no contacts, no plans. She also leaves her glasses, passport, driver's license, and all of her credit cards except for American Express card behind. Okay. Ron, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Ron, in fact, kept the account open in case any of the leads developed from attempts to use it, but none never did. Can you list off what she left behind again? All her credit cards. All of her credit cards, her passport, her driver's license, her glasses. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, her computer, like, too, right. as well, obviously, her hard drive. Um. Gallant and Ron eventually concluded that uh, Sneha indeed must have witnessed the attack and as a physician decided it was the right thing to do to run to the to the World Trade Centers and Mm -hmm. help people as much as she can Um, and to hopefully help people offer aid and. And during all this, something yeah. happened. Right. Whether she she went into the building, was in the rubble, something happened, and it caused her yeah her death, her demise. Now, as I said before, the NYPD chose not to initially investigate this case, mm-hmm. and what actually would wait quite a bit of time before it did. But when it did, that's where things got muddy. Their conclusion would be that Sneha was not a hero at all. Mm. The NYPD would begin to find details about her life prior to 9-11 that suggested that she may have been elsewhere or already dead when the towers fell. Earlier in the year, Cabrini Medical Center had declined to renew Philip's contract, citing repeated tardiness and alcohol-related issues, effectively firing her. Okay. Shortly after she had been informed of that decision, she went out to a bar with other Cabrini employees. The outing led to her spending the night in jail. She complained to police that fellow interns groped her during that time. The prosecutor who investigated the case dropped the sexual abuse charge and instead charged Philip with third degree falsely reporting of an incident. Question. Yes. Um, When you say interns, you mean fellow fellow incarcerated or fellow interns that were at the bar with her? Yeah. During the outing, one of her fellow interns... Former fellow in terms, I suppose, right. groped her. And I guess the events, they don't really tell you the events that led. I, again, I looked at yeah four different articles about this. And no one says the actual events that got her into jail. Right. But when she was in jail. She made this accusation and then the judge throws it out. Yeah. So, again, the outing leads her spending in jail. She complains to the police. The prosecutor who investigates the case drops the sexual abuse charge and instead charges her with third degree falsely reporting of an incident. Good Lord. A misdemeanor under New York law. He then offers to drop the charge if she recanted the original complaint, but she refuses and is held overnight pending release. Huh. That Oh. Oh, I hate this. Yeah. I hate this. This is bullshit. Yeah. Now, Ron and the rest of the family would dispute this. Yeah. They claim that she was fired from Cabrini not because of alcoholism, but because she had been a whistleblower who complained about racial and sexual bias. Oh. The hospital later told the reporter it had no evidence of any formal complaints by her. Hmm. All right. Hospital's looking real suspicious to me. Next, the NYPD would say that after her dismissal from Cabrini, 
Um, Sneha began spending nights out in gay and lesbian bars all around the city. Okay. According to the police, she would sometimes leave with women she met at these bars. Mm-hmm. Police also stated that Sneha's brother discovered her and his then girlfriend having sex, mm-hmm. which her brother disputed. So I'm not sure where this report comes from. Yeah. If the NYPD straight up just makes up from what it sounds like is the NYPD just straight up made up this fact that no yeah. one ever said this. Ron would refute it as well, saying that his wife did frequent lesbian bars, but it's because she didn't want to repeat situation of what happened to her and her coworker. All right, she, yeah. She knows that, you know, every now and then she gets hit on. She wants to be taken out of that environment and she Just or certainly a by sense men. of right, a sense of comfort in terms of yeah, not being afraid for herself in, in that way. Yeah, and Ron would say that she never had sex with the women she went home with. He said sometimes they would merely listen to music, sleep, or paint. Mm-hmm. It was all quite innocent and friendly. She liked making friends. She was a very kind person. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's really right. hard because, right, A, what's this have to do with anything? A. Right. And B, it's like, and maybe she did have sex with yeah. these people, you know, and maybe Ron's trying to be like, no, mm-hmm. I had full control over the situation. <laughs> um, but in any case, but you, yeah, unless these unless these are actually leading to some sort of like, oh, we think that's the person. Like where this doesn't, yeah, yeah. Then, according to the NYPD investigation, uh, Sneha gets another internship in internal medicine at the Vincent Medical Center on Staten Island, but was running into similar problems there. She had already been suspended for missing a meeting with a substance abuse counselor. Mm. Hmm. And this is coming, you know, straight from um, St. Vincent's Medical Center. You know? Oh. This isn't, you know. So St. Vincent Medical Center is saying we have a, a, a substance abuse counselor that we need her to meet with. And, and she she's missing it. it. Yeah. Now, here's a bit that wasn't revealed at the top of this investigation. Mm-hmm. And every single article, again, once again, every article I read about this investigation does this weird thing where they tell us about September 10th in the morning the 10, 30, 11 o'clock, the whole situation, but they leave out this really big key that is mind-boggling and really changes the entire story. And again, I read this in in three different papers, okay. um, one of them being New York Magazine. Mm-hmm. Now, the couple's morning did not begin as previously stated. In fact, the morning of September 10th, Sneha had been formally arraigned on the criminal charge for what happened at Cabrini and pleaded not guilty. Oh. They're at the they're at the courthouse that morning. Oh. The police report says that she and Ron fought loudly at the courthouse afterwards about her problems and her nights out, which ended with her walking away and leaving him to go home and get ready for work. And Rod stated that the couple never fought the courthouse after the arraignment. The police, they believe, were extrapolating from what little they can find in an effort to make up for the early inattention to the case. Huh. However, after reviewing the NYPD report, the medical examiner decided to remove Philip from the official list of victims in January of 2004. So she goes from being a, an official 9-11 victim to being taken off of that list. It makes you wonder where the footage from outside the courthouse is, because I don't believe for a minute that there isn't security cameras outside the courthouse yeah. that could prove or disprove an extremely hated argument. Yeah, yeah it, the whole thing bogged my mind, because again, the, the main resources I got in this article, one of them being New York Magazine, um, and the, the other one being a few articles uh, um, written about it, um, none, the way they structure it just boggles my mind that all of them start with this fantastic morning, and then later it, mm-hmm. we, we learn that they were at the courthouse that morning. That's interesting. I don't know. And, and it could have been they were at the courthouse at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, got back to their apartment. It's not too far. Yeah. 
got back to their apartment, um, and then started the day as as as, as it's at the beginning of the story. Right. But to leave off that key piece of information that is seems like fascinating. The, yeah. In 2003, after the NYPD investigation concludes, Ron files a court petition in New York County Surrogates Court, which handles probate matters, to have his wife declared a victim of the 9-11 attacks. Mm. He's really, truly believes that that's where she was that night, that day, rather. New York state law requires, quote, clear and convincing evidence of a possible victim's exposure to any lethal peril in order for a presumption of death and subsequent legal provisions, including benefits from the federal September 11th Victim Compensation Fund to apply. Whew, that's a lot. That was a big sentence. That's a very, yeah. Ron believed that his wife's profession would have led her to rush to the nearby World Trade Center if she was in the vicinity and offer aid to the victims. Mm-hmm. In fact, the author of the NYPD report testifies that he believes Neha probably died in the attacks. Oh, interesting. Which is really fascinating. The guy who puts together all the reports is like, well, in the end, in the end she probably did. This is the most likely. This is the most logical thing. Ellen Winner, the appointed guardian ad litem for Philip, for, I had this up too, mm-hmm. and a guardian ad litem is a guardian that the court appoints to watch over someone during a case. Okay. During that criminal case. Um, oh, okay. I see. Yeah. yeah. Ellen Winner is, is Sneha's uh, guardian. Okay. She introduces the NYPD report and argues that there was no clear evidence that she was at or near the World Trade Center during the attacks. On June 29th, 2006, Judge Renee Roth rules that it could not be established that she died on September 11th and instead then sets her date of legal death as September 10th, 2004, three years after she was reported missing per state law. Hmm. Philip's family appeals, contrasting her case with that of Juan Lafuente. Uh, Juan Lafuente is another possible victim who's petitioned the court's counterpart in Dutchess County, where he lived. And they had accepted that petition, that, in fact, it was likely that he could have been down there, even though there wasn't substantial evidence. Interesting. Like Sneha, his exposure to the attacks is based on circumstantial evidence. He, too, had recently lost his job and struggled with depression, and as a volunteer fire marshal in Poughkeepsie, might have himself had a reason to offer assistance at the World Trade Center. His office was eight blocks north of the World Trade Center site, but the court accepted his testimony from someone who frequented the same local deli claiming he overheard LaFuente said he had a meeting at the Twin Towers that morning. So they literally heard someone at the deli being like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he said he had to go to the, the Twin Towers. Oh, and he also has his background as a volunteer firefighter. Right. It makes total sense that he would have been there. Yeah. Which is so contradicting to her case. Right, I was going to, yeah, absolutely. She lived two blocks away from it and she was a physician. Potentially caught on camera in her own building. Ron and Philip's family lawyer file an appeal. On January 31st, 2008, a five-judge panel reverses Judge Roth's decision, finding the simplest explanation to be the most likely, that Sneha died trying to help some people at the World Trade Center. Judge David Sachs, writing for the other three majority judges, states, quote, this is a disturbing case. He observes that the central problem was a lack of direct evidence, putting Sneha at the site of the attack. However, he said while the city of New York applied the clear and convincing standard, even assuming that the clear and convincing standard is applicable, the standard does not require an absolute certainty. It merely requires that the evidence make the conclusion highly probable. Mm. Even without direct proof, irrefutably establishing that her route that morning took her past the World Trade Center at the time of the attack, the evidence shows it might be highly probable that she died that morning, and that 
and at the site, whereas only the rankest speculation leads to any other conclusion. Mm -hmm. Judge Sachs dismissed the claims made by the NYPD report, saying they constituted hearsay and had not been properly introduced in the original hearing, instead appended by Winner and the post-hearing report. Mm -hmm. Philip was thus officially declared the 2,751st victim of the Twin Towers collapse. Her name was added to panel S66 of the National September 11th Memorial South Pool. Ron, however, never received any money from the Victim Compensation Fund. Mm. It made its final payments and was closed in 2003, so there was no money left to distribute in 2008. Mm. Goodness. Now we heard a lot of awful rumors. We heard some lies and some muck. Yeah. But the question we still have is, well, what happened to Sneha and Philip? Yeah. We're going to take a break. And we're going to come back. I want to recap some theories, add a couple of others, and try to figure out the truth. Okay. We'll be right back. If you ever look at our logo, you may notice a cute, furry, black and white creature hanging out the window. That's Ted. When he's not hanging out inside the New York Mystery Machine, Ted is enjoying treats from BarkBox. BarkBox is the dog-obsessed company that's devoted to one goal, making dogs happy. It's a monthly subscription, totally customized box of themed toys and treats for your furry friends. BarkBox provides the best products, services, and content for pups and their people. Every box brings your dog more than $40 worth of toys and treats. Your first box ships immediately. Plus... BarkBox offers a 100% happy guarantee. If your pup isn't happy with their BarkBox, they'll work to make it right. So are you ready to spoil your pup with a BarkBox of their very own? If so, head over to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine. If you use our exclusive link, you'll get a free extra month of BarkBox valued at $35 when you sign up for multi-length plans. <laughs> Okay, okay, Tedward. I'll say it again for them. Head to www.barkbox.com slash nymysterymachine and get your pup some treats today. The New York Mystery Machine is brought to you in part by listeners like you. That's right. Head on over to our Patreon, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep the pod growing. By joining, you can access a whole bunch of cool stuff, such as mini-episodes, swag, exclusive playlists, and more. Head to www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine to find out more and become a patron. That's www.patreon.com slash nymysterymachine and join our ever-growing community today. All right, we're back. We're back. This is a this is a crazy. I was one. gonna say you promised me a crazy one. Here a, we are. I text Christina like this is a doozy of an episode, um, just because it's so full of crazy. speculation, so full of of truths and untruths and have truths and muddy waters. Yeah. So there are a bunch of theories of what could have possibly happened to Sneha, right? Yeah. The first was floated by folks outside the family that she perhaps walked away from her life, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when going back to the private investigator's finding, Gallant said that it was highly unlikely 
she would have had left with absolutely nothing but one credit card. Mm -hmm. This is not the best way to start a new life, right? Right. Plus, her mother also said that her daughter and her shared everything. If something was up, she would have known, and she would have gone to her family before dropping off the grid. Mm. Then there's the World Trade Center death theory, right? This Mm -hmm. is the biggest of them all, right? This is the one that her family, her husband, they have all leaned uh, so heavily into this being what happened to to their you know beloved uh, wife, daughter, mm-hmm. sister. Now, first and foremost, there's no physical evidence that suggests Neha was killed in the attacks. At least sixty percent of the victims from the World Trade Center have been identified by 2019 through DNA testing of remains or by identifying jewelry or belongings found at the scene. Sixty percent. Sixty percent. But in Sneha's case, a DNA match was never made to prove that she was at the site that fateful day, and none of her distinct jewelry or or garb was located at the rubble. Hmm. The dissenting judge in the appeals case, Judge Bernard Malone Jr., said, quote, Since it is not known where the descendant spent the night of September 10th, it requires speculation to say that her route home took her across the dangerously took her across or dangerously near the World Trade Center grounds, or that at 8.45 a.m. when the attacks began, she was even in the vicinity of the World Trade Center. Mm -hmm. He went on to say that the majority of judges made a ruling based solely on speculation and not on facts. Hmm. So that's what we got from that theory. There's no evidence of her being at the trade tower. There's no evidence of her remains. But again, only 60% of people have been found. I was going to say, that's actually not... That's not a lot. Not a lot. I mean, 40% of all those people who died in 9-11. Yeah. Well, I mean, well over a thousand of people. Right. That's a lot. That's a lot. The next theory is tied to the personal issues that the NYPD, quote unquote, discovered uh-huh. and quote unquote, dragged out. Their belief that Sneha had been living a double life and in their view had been spiraling out of control is the crux of this theory. As I mentioned earlier, Sneha was able to land a new internship at Staten Island State Visit Medical Center after being let go from Cambrini and spending some time in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also came to light that on September 10th, it was not her day off at all. Oh. In fact, when she failed to meet her substance abuse counselor, as previously stated, she was suspended. And that's why she was not work that day. Oh. This was then paired with the allegations that she often stayed out late nights with random women chewed me at bars and even had sex with her brother's girlfriend. If there's truth in her alcohol and substance abuse issues and her erratic behavior, again, this is what the NYPD was really pushing forward, it starts to make connections to the option of it being foul play. Mm-hmm. That perhaps she got involved with a dangerous situation that night. Yeah. Uh, either you know with, with the wrong person the wrong bar. Mm-hmm. Um, the NYPD stated in their in their findings that so often she would not just go to the best gay and lesbian bars, but also some rough ones as well. Okay, they had some rough clientele. I don't know what rough clientele. I means, don't know either. But that's literally what it said, and I was like, I don't know what hmm. that means. That sounds like a racism. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but in any case, perhaps she gets involved in a dangerous situation, and with all the commotion of the next day, it's a really coincidental way of getting away with murder. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's worth it to know that there was one non-World um, Trade Center um, murder on September 11, 2001, yes. and that is also another unsolved mystery of who murdered this Polish immigrant um, in Brooklyn. I know nothing about it, but I've heard about that. It was almost what I talked about today, but I chose <laughs> this one instead. Um, we'll talk about that in a future, future episode. episode. Um, so yeah, another... So 
I mean, uh, when the world's in chaos, right, 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 stuff, and you can really be be very hush hush. Hmm. Sneha's family, of course, strongly disagrees with this police report, stating that she did not have a serious substance abuse issue. She did hang out at gay and lesbian bars because men hit on her often, mm-hmm. and she had been very unsettled by the groping incident. And yes, she sometimes went home with women she met at the bar, but this is because she liked to have innocent fun and became fast friends with people. And again, in Ron's view, there's no way Sneha was either bisexual, gay, or cheating on him. Well, Ron, that's yeah. a that's a that's a leap, sir. Yeah. Because even if even if she didn't tell you she was, that doesn't mean she wasn't. Right. Right. But I can accept you thinking, no, there's no way she cheated on me. But right. don't say there's no way that she wasn't queer. Right. Right. Nice, nice try, Ron. We're all around you. <laughs> um, her brother John, of course, again denied ever telling the police that he caused his sister and his girlfriend having sex. Yeah. It, mm. There's one more theory. Mm-hmm. It's a dark one. Oh. It's a dark one. I'm ready. I believe it's the most implausible one. Okay. I feel that you will not believe this. I believe that you think it will be very plausible. I'll preface it. And if I'm wrong, I'll be like, oh, I'm wrong. I felt littler of you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm ready. This theory is that Ron murdered his wife. Are you laughing? Because I know that's exactly what you thought. It's been, I've been wait, I have so many questions about Ron. There are reports of the two of them having marital issues. Mm-hmm. NYPD believed it was connected to her erratic behavior. According to police, the morning of September 10th, witnesses reported seeing Sneha and Ron in a huge fight at the courthouse. Um, so that, that, that report is based on witness account, they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently arguing about her substance abuse, her sexual behavior, her erratic behavior. Reports say that an enraged Sneha took off and leaving Ron behind. This was reported to the NYPD and included an investigation, as as mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Then there's a weird phone call mm-hmm. that evening that Ron didn't do a believable job in debunking, right? He claims that he's the only one home the night she vanishes, and yet someone calls his cell phone from his house around 4 a.m. Yeah. Ron tells the authorities he doesn't remember it, right? He says, mm-hmm. perhaps I woke up and checked my messages and I, I, don't really, I don't really know. But maybe Sneha had returned home, noticed that Ron was out perhaps looking for her and called him. Um, maybe their earlier fight at the courthouse continued after that. It's unclear how thoroughly Ron and Sneha's home was searched, yeah. especially after 9-11 when mm-hmm. everything was kind of fucked. Yeah. Like if you see pictures of people's homes and apartments right. uh, all around where the trade centers went down, how can you tell anything in there? It's a dust bowl. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's really unclear if they could have really found anything. So- did Ron have time to kill Sneha in the apartment, clean up the scene, and somehow hide her body during the chaos following 9-11? And if so, where would he have re- re- got rid of the body? Um, where has it been re- remaining for the last um, 20 years, if that's right. the case? I want to know why you think it's the mo- Is that why you think it's the most implausible? I think there's a few things implausible. I don't know. This sounds so silly. My biggest thing is, you think he would have thrown out the the Century Twenty One bags? Hmm. That that's I know it sounds so silly and so minute, but I feel it's so silly and minute. Would he have thrown out her bags? Because mm. they would have been there if she got home, and they were nowhere to be found. You think he was like, oh, let me get rid of these bags? 
I don't know where her body would be. Yeah. I, the timeline doesn't match up for me. It would have to have happened when she came home late, if she came home late. Um, it would have to have happened at that moment. And then somehow between 4 a.m.-ish and, the, and him being at work at 8 a.m., uh-huh. he got rid of the body? Yeah, I guess I wonder why it has to be if she got home late. I think the Ron cell phone call that's been bothering me for a long since it started me a lot too. and one of the things that we haven't mentioned but i'm sure someone's thrown out there as theory is it, okay he doesn't remember it so if it's someone in the apartment that's you know could it have been sneha i'm thinking he doesn't remember he doesn't remember deleting a voicemail maybe an incriminating voicemail of her on the phone or so you know i feel like that's the weird thing like yeah. deleting evidence of that potential argument continuing. Yeah, I think it's also important to say that the, he he makes it sound like the the marriage is perfect. And there's a lot of people saying that it's not perfect. Right. Right. There's witnesses that day. There's people I'm sure I'm sure that the NYPD did a a large amount of of misguided sure. stuff. Yes. However, to all land on the same thing, I don't know. Like I just think that it's important to note that, like, look, you can say that your, you can say that your 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 marriage isn't perfect, but you mm-hmm. didn't murder your wife. I mean, I mean, right. But he makes it really sound like that's outlandish to think that they were going through any sort of issues. Right. I also don't like the fact that her brother lied. Yeah, I don't love that. That either. bothers me too. I mean, I guess it's he wants to do it to create sensationalism. So that right. So the focus, story gets picked up. I just, I don't know. It's very counterproductive. It's very weird. But it's also the kind of thing I could see happening. I don't know why the voicemail thing bothers me so much. Because there's something so convenient about, oh, she just doesn't come home sometimes. So I didn't think anything of it. That, and yeah, I also don't remember while kind of being like, oh, where is she? And that matched up with getting to the apartment, not going into the actual apartment that on September 11th. Like, not going into the building mm-hmm. and going same with a friend. Like, I don't, that, that's, that. Of all the things that bothers me the most, it bothers me before, it bothers me yeah. right now. If I was at that building, you could not stop me. Yeah. From busting into that building, I would climb a fucking window. Right. Get me a ladder. I'm climbing right. into my window. My wife is potentially wife somewhere in there, there or just, has been or something. That bothers me so much. Yeah, that bothers me a lot. Because even if, even if people are saying you can't go into your building, you. You find someone who can bust into that building. I don't know. Or, or you flag that, like, you know, I, I haven't seen my wife, and, yeah, and you and know, I'm worried it. she could be unconscious in there. And they can do it. They would do it. Yeah, you can't go up there and, like, grab, like, your, your bag of shit. No, but, but if you're going to say, if you say to, to some, some sort of enforcement, some police officer. I'm worried my wife could be in that building unconscious. Go, yeah. She's not responding. Let's get, let's get into that. That's what bothers me the most. It's, it, it sits on my stomach. I don't yeah, I don't, I don't love it. And here's the thing. Ron denies ever fighting with his wife, right? He's denied fighting at the courthouse, and he's, and he's adamant that he had nothing to do with the disappearance. During the investigation, the police rules out his involvement. Okay. They say his behavior seems to support this. He he takes a month off of work to search just for Sneha, and then when he fails, he hires Galant, the private investigator, to look for her. And Sneha's family, in fact, afterwards invites him to live in their house upstate um, during all this as well. Yeah. So clearly, Snail's family is on his his side as well. They believe they believe in him. I want to believe the twin tower theory. I do. That's, I do too. That's what I want to believe. That's in, what right? I want to believe. Could it be proven? Well, 
a couple of years ago wouldn't be able to be proven. But now we're about to enter a world where it may be able to be proven. Okay. Just a matter of weeks before the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this past September, um, well, I guess this past August, um, the tiniest ray of hope appeared. Okay. The New York Times reported that the New York City Medical Examiner's Office was approved to use new cutting-edge DNA technology to test the body parts recovered from ground zero belonging to the 1,100-odd victims never accounted for. Oh, wow. Forensic scientists are ex- examining thousands of fragments, often bone shards the size of Tic Tac, to try and solve more of these cases and where possible, return remains to loved ones and families. That's incredible. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that could yeah. offer something, right? That could, yeah. I want I do want to believe the the World Trade Center one. I, I think <laughs> I, I think it's pro- the most probable, but I have a lot of red flags with the call, the knock, the the whole apartment situation um and i've got a red flag with okay she didn't take her cards and her driver's license when she started her new life if if she like abscond but that's kind of the point if if you are if like you are planning to start a new life or you are taking this moment to run away you're not going to take your stuff with you if you've planned ahead and you have another set of documentation now but also it's very convenient that 911 happens and that's yes. and that's the veil you leave under because this would have happened on September 10th right so right. she's now like just going cold turkey, right. leaving the world behind, and just so happens a terrorist attack happens the next day, and that's a perfect veil. I think it's implausible. I'm just saying Isn't, that this this is an insane case. It is insane. This is and this is. I've never been so enamored by a story <laughs> than this one. I was literally up until two hours ago. I, I was I was working on this. Yeah, because literally I was just so engrossed with all the possibilities. I just think that that the 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 thing that shouldn't discount that theory shouldn't be the well she left her cards at home. That's the point if you're starting a new life. Of course you're going to leave your cards at home if you've been planning this. I also just don't think that. I just don't think it's likely. I also don't think that you should say that this person was a little salacious, would have sex with women. So that's probably how that would happen. She had sex with the wrong person. Right. Like I also don't like that. I don't like too. that either. I don't like any of the fallout of this. No. Case. I no, don't no, like, no. I don't like the sensationalism that they took. I think like making this woman sound like she was like a a, a drug abuser, mm-hmm. an alcohol mm-hmm. abuser, and salacious. And, and yeah, I don't like that. Did you ever watch the, the the documentary on Netflix, The Staircase? No. It is fascinating. Um, not a New York mystery, so we won't be covering it. Um, but in it, one of the theories that gets thrown out there, and if I'm not mistaken, this guy, this writer's wife dies around this time, and one of the theories is that she discovered he's bisexual, and so he killed her. I'm like... What? Basically, that's like the theory. One of them. How that, dare you? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you can't know. No you one, can't know. No You're going to reveal it. No. You know, and he's like, no, she knew about this. And they're like, hmm, but... That had it gone too far this time? Like, My God. No. Um, so, yeah, I hate all of the fallout around this. I do think the most likely is that she went and helped someone, that that was her on the the tape. Yeah. And that I think that that's very compelling. Where are her bags? She left them wherever she stayed, and she's yeah. really mad about that or yeah, whatever. That's fair, too. Um, but I do think that there is, like, I want someone to show me something about the duration of the phone call from inside the house to the cell phone. Like how long was it? Was it long enough to go? Like, were there still voicemail 
for him to check at that time? Can we tell that he went through voicemail and that something was deleted after? Like, I want to know about those records before I discount. But maybe that's what the police did. Maybe that's what the police did. Well, as always, folks, if you have any ideas or thoughts, you know, send them our way. We'll we'll post them. We'll talk about them. Um, yeah. And in fact, um, a little a little preview is that um, we are doing a future episode where we will reveal some of the theories that you guys have um, sent to yep. us. So send them in. Um, some stuff that we found on our own from some of our past uh, past um, cases that's we, coming up. We can revisit some of my hot takes. <laughs> yeah, so that's coming up in a future. Uh, we, 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 it's a future episode, kind of pretty pretty eminent actually in yeah. next in next, yeah. next couple months before the end of before season the end one. of season one we're gonna be it's gonna be our our, our, our tradition each season to kind of go back and either find because sometimes you know we try to get these episodes between 45 minutes to an hour tops i try we try never going over the hour we really want to honor your time uh, and we know you know people, you guys have stuff to do you don't you know what i mean so time sometimes is, time is money money so, is time so sometimes is- so sometimes christina literally like has to throw away three pages like on the spot like she throws <laughs> away pages of her story that she can't get to um and so we we don't think you should not hear those stories and so um before the season ends, we're going to revisit some of these stories and um, provide some updates and hopefully some clarity. So if you have anything that you'd like to share with us, you know where to go. You hit us up on our socials at NY Mystery Machine on uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and at NY Mysteries on the Twitter. Um, like, subscribe, all that jazz. Follow us and uh, support us on the Patreon. Um, I've been Adam Ace. I've been Christina Marinelli. And we will see you next time. Thanks for taking a ride on the York Mystery Machine. Tell me about